Roadshow, episode number 429. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me, but we shall hear from him very shortly because I will be sending it out to Las Vegas, home of the NHL champions, Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. I'm starting with that. Look, I'm out in Atlantic City this week. Uh, just got here today, actually, getting settled in for a, a great fight week, man. CFFC 120 on Friday night. Man, I'm telling you, one of the most stacked lineups we've ever put together. Just a ton of talent. Guys that have kind of come up through the system and that have been here before and, and names that you know if you've been watching it. So I'm telling you, it's a, it's a great, great lineup, and I cannot wait for that. That's that's going to be my weekend. Um and there's so much to talk about. I mean, there's still the fallout from UFC 289. It's a crazy weekend of MMA, man. You got the UFC, you got Bellator, you got PFL, everything in action all at one time, man. I mean, so if if you're an MMA fan, of course, one championship's going to do their weekly Friday fights. So, I mean, you are stacked up and not short of things to to watch and things to talk about it, and we definitely will. But come on, man, we got to talk a little bit of Vegas Golden Knights. I was actually in Philadelphia last night. Um, well, I say that. We were in Philadelphia for some business, and then we actually stayed in a hotel just outside of Philadelphia, across the river in uh, Mount Laurel Township, New Jersey, and uh, watched the clinching game there from uh, the hotel bar. So didn't get a chance to, to watch it from Las Vegas. Of course, I would not be one of those people that would be buying tickets to the game because those are quite expensive. Uh, but it was a cool scene, man, seeing everything out there. Um, all all the, the, the the crowd collected out there in uh, Nokia Plaza and uh, man, it's it's cool. I mean, I am just happy. You know, listen, I've, I've moved to Las Vegas in 2008. I, I've kind of touched on this before. Like, I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the game itself. I, I like it, but to say that like I follow it, I mean, I just don't follow any other team sports. Right now. MMA has taken over my life, and quite happily so. I love it, but I just don't get a chance to watch a lot of the stuff. I mean. I still like the Dallas Cowboys from growing up in Dallas. I couldn't tell you what their starting offensive line is right now. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, yeah, two thumbs, look at me, baby. Our team won, Vegas Golden Knights, my squad. <laughs> so I won't be that guy, but it is cool, man. I've, I've lived in Vegas long enough that it is home. I don't plan on moving anywhere else. So it's history, right? Our, our city's first professional sports championship, I mean – Hell, how long? We couldn't even have professional sports. I went out, even when I first moved to Vegas, it was like, oh, no, we'll never have a sports team here because, you know, all the leagues are concerned about gambling. And because of that, you can't have a professional franchise. And now, like, hell, every sports gambling is everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, so it's cool to have a pro team here. And it's cool. I do I do uh, at least enjoy it for the city. Uh, Kevin Ioli is a man that deserves If there's anybody in the MMA media, I think, that gets to take full credit. I mean, Adam Hill gets to take – well, Adam Hill covers it. You know, so he, uh, I don't know if he enjoys it or claims it. I don't know if he has a hockey allegiance, but obviously he's been close up to it and covering it on the road. So, uh, shout out to Adam Hill. Uh, he's where I get my, my other Vegas sports from because I, I follow him because of MMA, but he covers the Raiders and the Knights and everything else. Uh, so he deserves, but Kevin Ioli's had season takes. Kevin Ioli's a huge hockey fan. Uh, Penguins was always a squad. He grew up out there. I mean, he's a big fan, but he's had Vegas Golden Knights tickets, I believe. I'm pretty sure every year since they, uh, since they came in existence. So, and he goes to a lot of games. You know, he'll sell he'll sell a few every now and then, from what I understand. If he just can't make it, or you know, maybe there's a big fight or something going on that has to cover. But for the most part, man, he goes as much as he can. So I know he was happy, and 
uh, he's one that gets to claim, you know, if you've got season tickets for six years, you get to claim that's my squad. And he does know everybody on the team and does know all the lineups and does know what's happening in the free agent market and all that. So Kevin Earl deserves some love. It was funny. I was actually watching it with um, – with, I, I don't know if I should throw him under the bus, but I, I, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> Walker Van Way is actually here in town from UFC Fight Pass. He's uh, the Fight Pass crew. They kind of like pick different events and they go. You know, they they only come to like one or two of ours a year. And they kind of try to do that with every organization, right? Just go, you know, maintain relationships and get some on-site coverage and just get a feel for what's going on. And so him and I were at the same hotel last night, and he's a hater. He's a Vegas Golden Knights here, so it's kind of funny to sit there and watch the clinching game and all the celebration as he was just trashing it. And he's his his uh, logic is that uh, you know there's so many like Golden Knights fans that don't know anything about hockey, but just like claim that they do and try to tell people like what they know about hockey. And I guess he grew up uh, like a lifelong St. Louis Blues fan. He actually is a hockey fan, and so I guess essentially he's been victim to people mansplaining uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term uh, hockey to him and he's like Geez, God. <laughs> so because of that he doesn't like the golden knights so he was sitting there cheering against them but uh what a way to clinch it man what a way to clinch it so so it was a good run so i am celebrating it like i said i'm not trying to say that's my squad uh but i am happy for my city of las vegas and uh Pretty cool stuff. So definitely had to mention that at the top. And that is where I will bring in Cole Coffee himself because Cole Coffee, of course, a longtime Vegas resident as well. Um, and Cole Coffee made much personal sacrifice to guarantee the Stanley Cup would come to Las Vegas. I, I, in fact, I might go so far as to say he's single-handedly responsible for the success of this team. Now, you might think – you know, what, what about the front office? And, you know, they, they built the team. I mean, what they deserve some credit, right? And they, you'd be right. I mean, you may say, what about the players themselves? They were the ones out there on, on the ice uh, doing everything. May, may, don't they deserve the credit? And, and, of course, they deserve a little bit of the credit. But I'm just going to be honest with you. It was entirely cold coffee's doing. And because of the great sacrifice that he made, they were able to secure victory and – he was back home in Las Vegas. Similarly to me, I don't believe he uh, ponied up for any tickets to be inside the building at T-Mobile Arena. I did see uh, noted uh, MMA manager Danny Rubenstein, I believe, was in the uh, the building. I think him and uh, I believe uh, John Wood and Joanne Wood, I think they all have season tickets like right next to each other. Or, I'm not sure how that is, but I think they were all there. I know they all go to games a lot together. Uh, they go to Raiders games and, and Knights games. So I think I saw them in the building. I didn't see a lot of other people, but I was busy. We had some meetings and some stuff last night, so I didn't see a lot of it. Uh, but, nonetheless, I can guarantee you Cole Coffey was not there. But he was able to soak in the experience in the streets of Sin City. So while I'm out here in Atlantic City, we couldn't not throw it out to our man Cole Coffey and let him soak up the attention that he deserves for guaranteeing the cup and maybe just give us a little report from on-site there in Las Vegas. You might ask, how did I guarantee the Golden Knights victory? Well, let me tell you. You all know uh, I've been trying to be a little bit more health conscious, so I'm not really trying to drink and not trying to do all these other things. But I will tell you a story. I was at one of my local watering holes, and this was uh, when early on in the playoffs. I watched the Golden Knights game. Uh, I drank a lot of tequila that night, and the Golden Knights actually just smoked them. Smoked them. So at that point, I said, man, uh, I, I might be... I might be jinxing myself here, but I feel like if I'm willing to sacrifice my my health goals 
<laughs> and to actually drink things I shouldn't be drinking to certain quality quantities. And it, I guess at that point, it wasn't like I had to get blackout drunk or anything. I just, in my mind, was like, you know, well, if I'm willing to drink, I'll drink for the team. The team's going to do their part. I'll do my part. Um, so lo and behold, through the playoff run, uh, the games were playing. I tried to make sure that I was having some drinks. When I didn't, uh, shit fell apart. Um, I'm not going to incriminate myself. I'm not going to say I was drinking at fight nights. I'm not going to do that sort of thing. But you could paint a picture. But I will tell you, last night, uh, this town was fucking lit. It was crazy. Uh, there was a big flyover um, by the the Nellis Air Force Base. I want to say it was maybe some F-22s, maybe some F-35s. I think they had a mixture. I think they had like four four or five planes. It was weird because they had a, a, a different formation. They didn't have an equal number, so I, I assume it was four. Um, but it was awesome. Uh, the town was crazy. The Toshiba Plaza. I was not down there, but uh, some other junk, junkie uh, radio was down there, and they said it was just madness. And I was watching the clips on TV, and it was just bonkers. But I can tell you, every watering hole, every bar, um, most people around town, you know, you could see different people have gatherings out at their houses, and people were getting together. The town was definitely together to watch it. Um, it's crazy, you know, um, when they said, you know, is, is hockey going to take off in the desert, man? And, uh, clearly seen how things were yesterday you could definitely say vegas is a hockey town i think it definitely helped that the 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 knights were born here you know vegas born as opposed to um like the raiders where it started somewhere else and then came here and then everybody sort of adopted them. I, mean, I won't lie i mean people fucking love the raiders here they absolutely adore the raiders here but uh, the knights is at a whole nother level um so yeah it was bonkers man um i know the bar that i was at was crazy um I happened to go to one of my local watering holes, a copper keg, which happens to be a Browns and a uh, uh, Buckeyes bar, or at least it was uh, when I first moved here in town. But the crowd was rowdy. It was great. Drinks were flowing. My buddy was bartending, so that helped. <laughs> I don't even remember. I know I tipped, uh, I, but I was gambling a little bit, so I don't think I even paid anything. So it was even. It was worth it. Um, even then, you know, if you you lose a couple dollars to the the gambling gods, if they can guarantee a win, you know, you do what it is. You know, it's just part of a formula. I can't really write down the scientific formula. You know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's kind of like cooking. You know, you just trust the process and you put a little this and a little that and put your own little spin on it. Um, but dude, I'm so so excited for it, man. What a game, man! It was crazy. Um, that was just such a blowout. You know, by the end, it was just like crazy. Um, and then I proceeded to stop by my favorite ramen spot and got super spicy ramen, and I've been paying for it all day today. And you might think that I was outraging to the wee hours of the night, getting all crazy, you know, staying up late in here in Vegas where the, the city never sleeps. No, not so much. After I got ramen, I came back home and pretty much proceeded to immediately pass out on the couch. Woke up about an hour or so later, I assume, because it was still only about midnight <laughs> at that point. Uh, but I don't remember the, the exact time I got back to the house. You know, that's one of the joys to start drinking in Vegas when, you know, watching those games. It was five o'clock. So it was kind of day drinking, maybe early evening drinking. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of nice. So got in, got out. But, uh, you know, I was glad to do it for the team. I would do it again. You know, that's what that's what we do. You know, uh, I guess I'm a, a believer in superstitions. And if that qualifies for that, so it is what it is. So I guess I, I know what I need to do next season. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bit better prepared for this morning, or at least for the morning after, because this morning, boy, I was feeling it. I was feeling it bad. 
Uh, it's been it's been pretty bad. Oh, let me turn this volume off. I'm actually in the middle, and I guess that kind of segues to why I was not at the media day today because I'm attending a YouTube training online um, about different guidelines and policies. A lot of it doesn't really relate to us, but it's just sort of just hearing them talk about why certain things happens, why you get little yellow gold check marks when it's a limited ads and blah 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 but i'm not going to bore you to death but that's why i wasn't at the uh media day today so i'm not going to have any updates of what's going on there i am looking at some of the footage um uh from the stuff that's going but it it seems like it's i think we all know what's going to be i mean to the marvin and and cannoneer story i mean i think there's some other good fighters on it but unfortunately not being there today i didn't really get to to feel out the process and you know and feel the room but i am looking forward to uh this this weekend's fights i will be there on um uh, for weigh-in so i will have a stream going and i'll be there on fight night so you can catch me on that so at this point, uh, I'll toss it back to John. I need to, you know, probably hit to the restroom soon to work off some more of that ramen. And, you know, my head, my head is still sort of feeling it um, from, you know, doing what I needed to do to guarantee the victory. I will take that victory. And you're welcome, Golden Knights. I will gladly do that for you again. Um, I'm just glad that they do seasons, unlike the, the uh, you know, MMA where it's every weekend. At least I can now let my body sort of heal from the process. But that's my update. And now I'll toss it back over uh, to John. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. So, uh, man, what happens to cold coffee when I go out of town, man? <laughs> I got I to gotta start making sure I don't travel anymore. He travels with me, man. The, the, the man's uh, passing out at home, skipping media days. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, look, he's been uh, very, very disciplined for quite some time, so good for him to uh, enjoy the run a little bit and have some fun. Uh, well, listen, like you said, uh, was not at media day. I obviously wasn't there uh, either, so don't have a whole lot of what's going on uh, with the UFC this week. Uh, I guess first I just, you know, continued wrap up of UFC 289 first maybe. Uh, you know, obviously everything's kind of settling in from the, the retirement of Amanda Nunes. I mean, still kind of funny, right? You know, if anybody listened last week, really the scene played out exactly like we talked about on the show. Like what a great scene it would be. Lay down two belts, you know, put the gloves next to it. You know, we've never seen this before. And man, it, it was wild that it played out exactly the way we kind of mentioned could be a possibility. Um, and, and again, you know, it's not like it, we were the only ones that were hearing that maybe that's something she might do. And I think, but, you know, I, I tweeted, of course, we did the full recap on the and a half episode. Appreciate everybody that listens over there uh, at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. But, you know, that Sunday I went back and, you know, it's always kind of so late when I'm doing those recaps. And, and I'm one that really doesn't like to say that was the greatest knockout. And I know that's how you get the biggest headlines and the most interactions. But I don't know. I just like to be more responsible with my opinion to say, like, that's clearly one of the top five ever. Like, really? Like, you are you can remember, like, all, all multiple thousand bouts that you've seen? And, I mean, so anyway, I don't like to rush to judgment. But I went back the next night on that Sunday and, you know, was watching the post-fight show and was watching some of the highlights again and, you know, soaking in kind of everything. And that's when I tweeted, you know, I, I think this is the best retirement I've ever seen. Like, I, I can't imagine that anybody's done it better. I saw – uh, Chill Sun and actually retweeted it and said that, you know, you can't disagree with that. And I thought that was cool, especially, you know, for somebody like Chael, who obviously, you know, thinks about that side of the game so much as well, you know, kind of what you do besides just the performances. But, man, to, to be able to retire on top after a dominant win, 
to be able to bring your family in there, you know, and like, you're not going to rush me out of here, you know, we're going to enjoy it, you know, she's like, no, bring the cut man in, bring my family in, bring it, you know, just doing things in her pace, and, and you're not going to rush me out, like I said, you know, having your kid in there, dancing, I mean, those, those, boy, some of those images that I've seen this week, those photos of her holding up her child, I mean, you know, I get all sappy as a dad and stuff, but that's, like, those are images and memories that will be with you and your family forever, and that's unbelievable, man, that's, that's beautiful, um, and again, from, Everything we've ever heard financially, like she's done very well for herself and never lived like a flashy lifestyle. So invested it well and took care of things. And um, so it's in a really good position. So I, I don't think she's coming back. I really don't. I think she, that's it for her. And, and um, it's awesome, man. I, I do think she's the greatest of all time. I, I understand, you know, I've seen some people, I think Cyborg, you know, is, is definitely in the discussion. And if you argue with me, that no, Cyborg is the greatest of all time, despite the head-to-head result. I actually respect it, you know, because there is a length of dominance and there is multiple organizations and multiple championships. And, you know, Amanda does have a couple losses early in her career. So I don't begrudge anybody that makes that argument that it's Chris Cyborg. I I think it's a very fair argument. But to me, I don't know, man, that head-to-head matchup just kind of trumps everything. It's like, you know, you get into these theoretical things when they're in different eras and they can't fight each other in their prime, but they did. And I guess maybe one chaotic minute shouldn't maybe shouldn't determine what you think of somebody's entire career, but I find it difficult to just ignore that fact. So I think she's the greatest of all time. I don't think she's coming back, but um, still, man, I really do think it's beautiful. And the one thing that really occurred to me this week, and it's hard because the one part, and, and I talked about this a little bit with Eric McMahon, over on uh, Cage Side, which I'm working for Grind City Media, is that the thing I've realized, too, is that I, I hope more people will be willing to do this. And I think about the, the, the one part that I don't like that she did was saying that whoever has the belt now will be fake. Like, that hurts the organization at that point, right? Because, you know, mixed martial arts and professional wrestling obviously share a lot in common in terms of, you know, promotional angles and fan appeal and and all those things. I mean, they really do. It's undeniable. You know, things are borrowed from it. You know, Chael Sonnen, obviously a master of that. I mentioned him earlier. You know, he's a master of understanding that. Daniel Cormier, a big fan of professional wrestling and understood how to promote things like that as well. And You know, how how you make this guy the good guy. You know, all those things are there. But one of the longstanding traditions in – professional wrestling is giving the rub to the new guy right like if you're you know in the old days leaving the territory or if you're uh you know retiring because you're getting up there you know you gotta you gotta get the new kid over by by letting you beat letting him beat you and i don't think that that's i don't want to say that that's what happens in mixed martial arts of course right but it's like the champions hang around until they get beat and it's hard because you know i, I think michael bisping talked about this a little bit, you know, fighting past when he probably should have, but he mentioned it's hard to walk away at that point because the way these contracts work in mixed martial arts, you know, they go up and up and up and up and up, you know, and, and you know, especially if you're a champion, of course, you get that champion's clause and those pay-per-view points, and it's hard to walk away from that, right? Because you're, you're, each fight you make is like the highest money you've ever made, so it's hard to walk away. And so what ends up happening is people stick around until they get beat, And then sometimes they stick around and get beat multiple times, and that's just hard to watch, you know. And it affects your legacy. And just I hope that champions and great fighters will embrace, like, you don't have to stick around until you get beat. You don't have to put over the the new talent. And, and again, I don't think that's what MMA fighters are doing is trying to put over the next generation. 
But I just wish they'd be willing to walk out a little bit earlier and, and, and leave on top because I really do think that does such an amazing thing. Like, again, you know, we've talked about it before, but I'll say it again. You know, you look at, like, the legacy of a George St. Pierre. You look at, like, the legacy of a Habib Nurmagomedov. And I don't just mean that from, like, oh, what do fans say about you? Like, at the end of the day, who cares about that? That's just discussion points, you know. But future financial opportunities, right? I mean – the undefeated guy that never lost is going to have more financial opportunities from brands wanting to be associated with them from, you know, whatever the opportunities may be because they leave on that thing. And that, that status can never be taken away from them. You know, I hate to say it cause I love Anderson Silva's career, but I really do think that stretch at the end of his career impacted how people think about him. And, you know, again, it's not just, Oh, well I want the people at the barbershop to say what a great job I did. And I'm the, I'm the greatest ever. Like, no, there's real, you know, impactful things uh, uh, beyond of how that can affect the rest of your life and, and especially um, your finances. So, anyway, I hope more people will uh, walk down on top like that. It really was one of the most beautiful um, retirements I've ever seen. I think it'll stick. I don't think we'll see another one. Uh, lastly, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody's on board. I, I, I saw a lot of people coming in saying that, Charles Oliveira, you know, even if he won, you can't go do that again with Islam Mahashev um, because I see nothing that makes, you know, me think that it'll be different or that he, he's done anything better. I, I, I just don't see another option right now, man. Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, man, we know that's going to be a battle. They're not going to be ready by October. I just don't see may, – oh, maybe, maybe on July 29th. I believe that's the date, right, July 29th? No, it's the end of July. Maybe on that date – Somebody goes out there and throws one punch, and the other one gets knocked out, and and that winner walks out clean. But I doubt it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm definitely not expecting that. So that's what really turns it. That's that's what really makes again timing is everything too. And I just I, I'm of the belief that there is no other choice right now than, than than Charles Oliveira, man. There just really is no other choice. So we'll see. All right, the UFC is back in action this week. Uh, it will be at the UFC Apex. I'm going to miss this card. It's funny. I was actually thought I'd be at Media Day, but my schedule changed. I actually ended up flying to Philadelphia because it's the meetings we had. So I was originally going to fly out tonight, but actually ended up flying out yesterday. And uh, because of that, I'm not at Media Day. Big fight at, in, in the middleweight division, of course. Martin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of things to play out in the middleweight division right now and finding out exactly what's what's next for Israel Adesanya and, you know, is he going to be ready to turn around um, by that time? You know, the, but where, where is he going to compete? Could the winner here? You know, th- there's a lot, of, a lot of implications. And I don't think anything's set in stone that, you know, clearly the winner of this is going to come out. You still got to let Robert Whitaker and Drickus Duplessis play out. Um, but this matters a lot. Like, the you know, that division, it's just it, – granted, it's those same names that kind of keep facing each other, but it's a very competitive division. Um, you know, Israel Adesanya has made it clear he wants Drickus Duplessis. <sighs> I mean, A, Drickus has got a very, very hard fight ahead of him. There's no question about that. Um, but, you know, Drickus has had this surgery, and, and maybe that's going to be a big deal. You know, it's, um, you know, when he talked about the fact that, you know, he's not out of shape, that he knows exactly, you know, it's this oxygen intake. I'm interested to see it. Um, and I know that Israel Adesanya wants that fight. He takes the Africa remarks very personal, and I completely understand why he does. Um, there's a part of me that wants to see the fight because I think the heat would be unbelievable. I mean, when you see a motivated pissed off, fired up Israel Adesanya. Not somebody that's trying to create a storyline 
or make some, uh, you know, make some some taglines or so. You know, I know he always talks about creating art, and he's good at it, man. He really is. He's a showman in addition to being a fighter. He's a performer, but I think this is one of those ones that it would be at the raw core of his anger coming out. And I mean, so for that part of it, it excites me. The part of it that we know is going to dig very deeply down the hole of racial tensions uh, is not really like the way that I want to build a, a fight. You know, I always say race, religion, family. I hate that stuff, man. It just, it gets very dark and crosses the line of professional sport to me. Um, maybe I'm getting soft or whatever, but it just, to me, it goes a little bit too far. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm torn on that one as to whether I really, really want to see that come together. Cause it just, you just have a feeling it would get real, real ugly. Um, but it is the fight game. People say mean things in the fight game, right? Isn't that what they say? Uh, so that's a big one at middleweight, uh, co-main event, obviously, uh, Armin Saruki, man, I'm very, very high on this guy. I do think he has an incredible, incredible skill set. Um, he does have, you know, a decent test here as well. It's not that like this is some walkover. Uh, no, I mean it's, you know, it's it's a tough fight, but it's one that, I mean, I very heavily favors Armand Saruka. Well, King Silva is not going to just go lay down for him, uh, but it's it's one you got to favor Saruka, and I really do think he's a top talent. Uh, Armin Petrosian, Christian Leroy Duncan, that could be a really good fight as well. Both those guys want to make a statement. Pat Sabatini is back. Obviously, CFFC history there. I'm always going to be high on Pat Sabatini. Um, I know he had a rough one last time out. There was a lot going on behind the scenes in that one too. Uh, that I, I don't sure how much of it is is public, but he was having some struggles behind the scenes. So um, expect him to bounce back. But again, Lucas Almeida. Very, very tough opponent there as well. Uh, so I'll definitely be looking for that. Nicholas Moda is on there as well, another former CFFC champion. So you know I'm always cheering for those guys. Honey Barcelos versus Miles Johns. Spoke to Miles Johns, and he's fired up and ready to go. Miles Johns, man, he had a, a pretty crazy pretty crazy thing, right? Like he uh, – if you think about what he went through, you know, he, he was at Fortis for years and years and years and just decided he needed to change – um, you know, needed to uh, get a different look and just sort some things out in his life. And so he moves to Kansas City, goes to Glory MMA, and then his first uh, camp with Glory is when the whole James Krause situation started unfolding. You remember it was Miles Johns who kind of let the cat out of the bag accidentally in the post-fight press conference, right? Like, oh, they, they pulled my, my – or not even the post-fight press conference, but the uh, in-cage interviews. Like, oh, they pulled my – um, you know, they pulled my coach and all that. And I was like, whoa, what, huh, what? So anyway, um, so he had to relocate again, right? Because it ends up getting that he can't work with anybody. So, and I talked to him about that, not so much on a fighting level, but just on a human level, right? Like his wife and kids. I mean, gosh, you think about that as like the leader of your family, right? Like, hey, guys, I know we've been in Dallas for a long time, but we're going to relocate to Kansas City um, because I feel that's best for us. And then that situation all falls apart and you're like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do now? Like, we got to do something else and pivot again. I know, you know, he admitted, like, that was some scary times. So, I'm interested in that one. Again, Hione Barcelos, another tough opponent that um, has had some setbacks as well. But when he's on, he is he's absolutely on. So, um, Nicholas Dalby, Musum Salikov could be fun. Jimmy Flick, Alessandro Costa. Kyung-ho Kang is back against Christian Quinones. Uh, Carlos Fernandez, Dennis Bonner, Zagas, Zumagulov with the, uh, I think he's still sporting the Patty Pimblet haircut. What a shtick that was. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that had some Danny Rubenstein in there to give him some advice. I need to ask Danny about that because I'm pretty sure he's, 
uh, uh, Ruby Sports Entertainment client. Uh, obviously, Syat works with those guys over um, in in Asia. But uh, I gotta know who came up with that. Uh, to 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 go with the Patty Pimblet haircut. I mean, come on. Uh, he was getting a ton of attention for that. So uh, Dan Arguetta, Ronnie Lawrence, Zach Parga, Modeskis, Bukaskis. Uh, some some decent fights. Again, you know this one. I think, and, and this is this is what we do on the fight night cards, right? You know, you've got uh, you know a, a solid main event, co-main event's got some impact, and then the rest is fights. You know what I mean? That don't necessarily impact title pictures. That's what names. But on paper, this looks like it should be pretty fun. Um, it's a little bit of a later start uh, than the, the normal kind of day ones, I believe. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern for the prelims and 10 p.m. Eastern for the main card. So I've actually got an evening flight home on Sunday. So I'll probably be, or excuse me, I should say Saturday. It was just a lot cheaper to fly home Saturday. So I'll be, uh, I'll be watching it on the plane. And uh, I don't think I'm going to make it home in time for the in the, the parade. I, I, did, I think my wife and kid are going to brave it and go out there. For the parade, um, I don't think I'm going to make it back in time. I think the, the plans right now for the for the Golden Knights to do a parade on the Strip. It's going to be interesting to see because the Strip is really uh, torn up right now um, because of the F1 race. Uh, they're, they're repaving, like they have to repave the Strip uh, because they've got the F1 Las Vegas coming in November, I think is when it comes. October, November, somewhere around there. Um, and so it's kind of a pain in the ass right now. Like There's been a lot of people kind of annoyed by how much construction it's caused. Uh, but I think I'm not a big auto racing fan, but I, just, I think it is going to be cool to have F1 cars driving down the strip, you know, uh, and obviously it's going to bring money and, and all these things to the, to the town. But, um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what they do, uh, how they have the strip ready. Cause it's not like you can't have a victory parade and just like orange cones everywhere. Right. Uh, so we were kind of talking about that last night. Like, what do you do? Like just temporarily pave it, like put, I mean, I guess, not construction expert like i guess you could put some kind of paneling down over it or something and i, I don't know i mean just we'll, we'll see unfortunately because of my evening flight home i don't think i'm gonna uh make it home in time i did call american airlines to see if maybe i could change my flight but there was a pretty significant fee associated with that uh, and uh you know if i was a lifelong fan of my organization that i've cheered for and had season tickets holder i probably would invest in that flight change um but that's not the case, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, like you said, everybody's in action this week, man. The PFL, uh, the heavyweights and the women's featherweights are back. So, uh, Auntie Delia, Maurice Green in a big main event there. Larissa Pacheco is back against Amber Leibrock. Those are the big uh, featherweight fight there as well. So we'll get to see Aspen Ladd again and you know, kind of all these uh, standings shaking out. So um, that's definitely worth watching as well. Although, um, you know, hopefully you're watching CFFC 120. The big card of the weekend, I think, honestly, well, I'd I take that. Well, I might say Bellator 297. I might say Bellator 297. You got two title fights on it. Now, in terms of coverage, it's not Bellator 297. There's not, I mean, this is such a hard thing, right? Because the truth is the traffic – St the the most traffic stuff is always going to be the UFC stuff. And so because of that, everybody tends to do the most coverage with their UFC stuff. But then, like, a card like this will roll around with Bellator, and and people will say, oh, you know, why isn't – you know, Bellator doesn't do a very good job of, of covering these cards and building these athletes and whatever else. And it's like, well, I mean, if the media outlets aren't covering them, like, what are they 
What are they supposed to do? It's not. I mean, they have a PR department that sends out emails and offers up their fighters and gives us, you know, all the information we need. And if people don't book the interviews and don't talk about it, like I don't know what you're supposed to do. Uh, but I like this. I like this fight car a lot. Now, in the main event, you got Vadim Nemkov and the ageless Yoel Romero. I like seeing Yoel Romero in there because obviously the dude's been around forever and he's such an interesting cat. I think this is a really tough matchup for him. I think Vadim Nimkov is one of the best light heavyweights in the world, and I don't know that at this age Yoel Romero is. So I like seeing Yoel Romero in there. I like seeing him compete. I love you know the dudes. You know the dude's going to come in there and you know he's going to you know he's going to be shredded on the scales and he's going to get in there and you know he's not going to be the he's not going to go pedal to the metal for the whole time but he's going to unleash those bombs and spots and if he lands you know he's he's going to make it tough so you know he'll probably have a couple uh cool little lines you know <laughs> in the press conference but he's you know I'm I'm happy to see Yoel Romero in there but I just think it's a tough matchup I'm really excited about Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull I mean really really excited about this and I kind of wish it was the main event to be honest with you I, I mean I guess this is just kind of the typical well we'll put the heavier weight class in I mean that's kind of tradition right like it's not a steadfast rule that has to be done but the UFC normally does the same thing right if they've got a title fight they're going to put the heavier weight class in the featured spot and I get it I mean I'm trying to think, man. I, I guess would you say overall that Nimkov and Romero are more famous than Pettis and Pitbull? I don't know. Pitbull's like the the face of the company, right? Going for a third title. I mean, he's your guy. He's your guy. And then Sergio Pettis. I mean, you got you, you tie in the Pettis name now, and I hate doing that, you know, because obviously at this point, especially Sergio has carved out his own career. It's not like he needs to be introduced as the brother of Anthony Pettis. But it's not a bad thing to have on your resume, right? It's not a bad thing to just have in there. Like, maybe people that are just flipping through the channels don't know. And they just see Pettis and they're like, oh, I remember Showtime. And they flip out. So, I don't know. I, I, Again, I'm not one of the big ones that says, oh, card construction. I don't like the way this is built. I know a lot of people spend a lot of their energy uh, exacerbated as to why cards are built the way they are. I'm not that guy. But I would probably make the argument that it would, if it was – uh, Jonator uh, MMA. Is that good? Jonator? Morgator? No, not Mor- Morgator. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That sounds like maybe some people are being embalmed there. <laughs> uh, if it was Jonator MMA, I'd probably. No, Jan- that, now that makes me sound like I'm a janitor, right? You can't do Jonator. If it was John Morgan FC. I'm putting I'm putting Sergio Pettis and Patricio Pitbull in the main event. That's just me. Uh, Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis, so a solid fight there. Daniel James, maybe a little bit unheralded, right? But he's on a little bit of a tear, and he's a hometown guy as well against Gokan Sarakam. So that rounds out the uh, the main card on Showtime. And then some decent names on the prelims as well, man. They they have they man they they really do a good job of stacking with talent. Bellator is doing such a good job of building the cards with talent, but um, you know, it's tough to take them to that next level, right? But uh, Alex Polizzi versus Carl Moore is on there. Archie Colgan is back against Emmanuel Sanchez. Uh, Norbert Novini Jr. is on this card. Um, I just saw my man, uh, Abby Subban, is uh, working on a, a video piece that he did with Norbert Novini, um, which is a, a really good up-and-coming talent, man. And, uh, you know, 
great family pedigree and and uh worth checking that out when that when that thing is released i'm not sure when it's supposed to come out obviously i imagine this week since it's fight week uh julia wheelis is on here um against the undefeated ramazan Kermagomedov, which is a tough one uh some of the tough russians are on here too man kyle crutchmer is back uh it's i, I like this card i think there's gonna be some good cards uh, man teamwork kisrev is on there against richie smolin um Solid card, man. Really good card. So if you're in the Chicago area, uh, check that out. And, I mean, probably, yeah, probably the card of the weekend. I mean, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at the PFL card, too. There's some, some solid names here, too, right? I mean, we mentioned uh, Antidelia, Maurice Green at the top. We mentioned Larissa Pacheco, Amber Lybrock. Uh, Fajeda is back. Uh, like I said, Aspen Ladd is back. You got the Biagio Ali Walsh is continuing his growth. Um, who else is on there? Julia Budd is back. So you know, there's some there's some solid ones on here as well. Um, and I, there's I do like you know these kind of sets up. The, the, I, the thing I do love about watching PFL, the PFL cards to me, I never really get super pumped about everything until obviously the finals because then then there's some real but when i'm watching the cards i really like them because you know everything's changing in real time you know what i mean like it, i don't know how much you guys watch the pfl but that gets to me man when you're like okay boom he just fought so now he's right here because that's what we're always trying to do when we look at cards right is um okay what did that mean what comes next how does he do this etc so I like it that everything's kind of shuffling in real time, and now you know what so and so needs to do, and now you know what this needs to do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ex- I usually get more excited for those cards as they are uh, playing out versus um, versus like ahead of time, unless it's the finals. Um, by the way, uh, real quick, I thought this was kind of interesting. The Nevada State Athletic Commission meeting for next week. The agenda came out today. And I noticed, um, and I think he already revealed it, uh, Power Slap is returning on July 7th at the USC Apex. So that's part of International Fight Week. Um, and then, as had been reported, Zufa is going to hold an event September 16th at T-Mobile Arena. That'll be the kind of Mexican-themed card, right? That's Mexican Independence Day. Um, so they're going to have as many Mexicans as they can have on there. Uh, you, you would imagine Alexa Grasso will be back against Valentina Shevchenko there. Um September 23rd at the Apex, October 7th at the Apex, November 18th at the Apex, uh, December 16th at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, but I did see uh, Karate Combat. Karate Combat is going to uh, hold an event December 15th at the MGM Grand Resort and Casino. I would imagine they're going to be like in a theater, uh, like maybe the – I don't know what they're going to I'm interested to see that because, you know, they, they do like a whole bunch of like production work. It's like a green screen and they fill stuff in and it's like this big like technological thing and they've been shooting it um, in Orlando on the on the back lot, right? And so I'm kind of interested to see what they're doing in Las Vegas. So it just says um, – because normally it will say like the MGM Grand Garden Arena or something like that and, and obviously they're not going to do that. Uh, they're not at that point in their life cycle yet, but it does say MGM Grand Resort and Casino, so I'm kind of interested to see what Karate Combat does there. Uh, there is a Tough Enough as well for July 14th, so uh, I believe I will be on the mic for that one. Um, looking forward to that. i got a busy July coming up, I think. Um, oh, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be in Tunica that night. I thought they were the next night. Well, never mind. 
I'll be in Tunica, Mississippi. I thought they were back-to-back nights for some reason, so I will not be on that tough enough call, unfortunately. Uh, because I will be calling CFFC. That will be CFFC 121. The following week, Seminole Hard Rock and Casino, Tampa, Florida, CFFC 122. That's July 20th. And this weekend, it is CFFC 120. Phenomenal card. I'm telling you right now, if you've, if you've watched much uh, CFFC at all, you're going to recognize a lot of these names, right? Vilson Indrajoni, the Bantamweight champ, is back against Wendell Arujo, who's here. Uh, he just won the Titan FC title. Now he's coming here trying to win the CFFC title. So that's our main event. Kyle Dawkins is back, former middleweight champ. Of course, went to the UFC and, uh, you know, has, has kind of a couple bumps along the road. And, and uh, now he's coming back. And it's interesting because typically at CFFC, you know, we're not really about picking up, uh, you know, USC veterans that don't really have a chance of going back to the show. But that's not really the case here with Kyle Dawkins. You know, it's a, it's a former champion of CFFC and, and a guy that we kind of all believe still has the ability to be at that highest level and, and can maybe come here and get a couple wins and get right back up to the show. Um, so anxious to see him back. And he's, of course, going to want to make a statement here in his return to CFFC where he used to be champion. Charlie Campbell is here. Charlie Campbell, heartbreaking, right? Guy had – uh, guy had the, the the contract in his hand at Dana White's Contender Series, just absolutely thumping his opponent, and then gets clipped, and it's all taken away there. So anxious to see him back. Paul Capaldo is here. Uh, Paul Capaldo, same thing. A guy that you know was selected for the Contender Series, and then uh, a COVID test man pulled him from from the Contender Series. So you know you can think about that. And, now trying to earn his way back, man. So they, Dennis Bazookia is here, who's had um, a couple of appearances on Dana White's Contender Series, including a victory, um, but didn't get the contract. He's here. Luke Fernandez uh, opens up the main card. Um, he's, of course, the former light heavyweight champ, undefeated as an amateur, uh, light heavyweight next-gen champ, I should say, and, and now he's professional. Won his debut in a spectacular fashion, and now he's back for his uh, his second appearance against Jesse Romans, who's making his way in uh, from Kentucky. So that's our main card at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, this Friday. The prelims are at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, on OnlyFans. And some recognizable names there, too, man. Eric Nolan, Bo Seminiago, Damian Nelson, C.J. Lafrajola, Tom Picciano. I mean, some some names that have really been developing through the system. So it's been so fun to me to, to get to do these consistently and help watch uh, everything build and uh, I'm excited about it, and man, I cannot wait uh, until the announcements for the fall are done and, and, are, and are able to be the meetings that we had and the plans that are laid out is going to be something special, man. I cannot wait to 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 reveal it all. Uh, obviously, not my place to reveal. I'll let the boss, Ray, Rob Haydack, uh, decide when all that stuff comes out. But some some really really cool plans this fall. I think everybody's going to be really excited about and. Uh, a lot of different people are going to be excited about. So very, very cool stuff. Uh, we also have our first ever uh, Hall of Fame, CFFC Hall of Fame induction, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about, man. It's uh, We're just starting the CFFC Hall of Fame to, to kind of help, you know, honor – uh, those those greats that came through here and and you know maybe made it to the to the to the big show maybe didn't maybe it's just because of their accomplishments here I mean there's a lot of different ways that I think people can make their way into the Hall of Fame um, and so uh, we're anxious to have that speaking of, we got to a spirited discussion today uh, I'm just I, you know I don't even think I have to say it here because anybody that's heard this show before knows uh, Jim Miller Hall of Fame I know DC caught some slack now I 
I want to say I do agree with the people. I know Aaron Bronstetter was going out of his way to say, don't give this dude so much slack for making his argument. Like, let him make his argument. And I don't – man, again, these are all kind of subjective discussions, so I'm not going to hate on anybody for their opinion of why they think that does or does not. But I'm sorry. To me, Jim Miller, all day UFC Hall of Fame. I know I have to say that. If you've heard this show before, you know we've talked about it. But longevity at the highest level. I mean, when you have the most wins in the history of the promotion, when you have the most wins in the history of the promotion, of any promotion, you're in that promotion's Hall of Fame if they have one, you know? Um, especially when the number's 25 and still going. You know how I mean, you know how hard that is? I mean, nobody, nobody else has done it. No one else has done it. Of all the people that have come through the UFC, nobody stuck around and got that many. That's Hall of Fame to me, and I get it. Well, he never won a title. He never won. I do get the argument, and I don't, I don't begrudge anybody that has it. But I do think longevity in itself, at the highest level, especially at a successful level. You know, if well, again, I mean, you have to be successful to have that kind of longevity. I mean, yeah, a couple people have had some long, uh, long leashes and been able to go, you know, four or five losses in a row and and, and still stick around. But that doesn't happen a lot. That doesn't happen a lot. You got to win, and so to me. UFC Hall of Fame all day. I'm kind of worried because <laughs> every time I bring it up with with Dana White, I don't know if you've noticed that, but the last couple times Jim Miller has fought and won, afterwards I'm always like, so Dana, Jim Miller, right? I mean, can you talk about his longevity? I mean, I mean, this is like a Hall of Fame guy, right? And he's always like, yeah, Jim Miller's a stud, you know? Da, 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 da. I mean, I don't think he's ever called somebody a Hall of Famer before they're actually in the Hall of Fame. I guess maybe he doesn't want to back himself into a corner in case – Something goes south, and he decides that that's not what he wants to do. But, um, yeah, <laughs> he never really commits to it. And I just to me, I think longevity at the highest level absolutely is, you know, worthy of being in the hobby. It was actually funny. <laughs> so we were having a spirited argument. Uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, there was one person in our group, and I'll let them remain nameless because it was a private conversation, uh, private debate. We were just having some fun. But they were of the opinion that, no, they completely agree with Daniel Cormier that it's not Hall of Fame material. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, in any sport, if you've competed in that sport, you know, a major sport, you're uh, you're in the sports Hall of Fame. I'm like, for instance, I was like, let me just Google this. Let me just Google this. I'm like, who has been who has played in the most baseball games in Major League history? I mean, that person's got to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Let me just Google that real quick. Does anybody know the answer? If you don't have to Google yourself, do you know the answer? It's funny because the answer is Pete Rose. <laughs> and if you know about Pete Rose, you know that he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I kind of screwed myself on the argument. Now, would he be in the Hall of Fame had it not been for his gambling uh, issues and investigation? You're damn right he would be. But that unfortunately was not the argument that I made. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I screwed myself on that one. By the way, you know what the number is? I don't remember it offhand exactly what the number was. But it's over 3,500 games. Oh, that's insane. That is insane. Wild. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jim Miller to me, Hall of Fame. All right, listen, uh, I've got to jump to another meeting. I may have some cool stuff to report next week. I've got to see. I've got this meeting here shortly that I've got to run to that may have some good news. Oh, I did want to say something. Uh, 
Eric McGracken pointed out um, some judging reform that's supposed to happen this weekend in Colorado. Um, and that is basically the judges for the commission at this event this weekend are going to have like a form that they have. It kind of looks like what one championship does. If you've ever seen one championship's judging forms, although obviously they judge fights as a whole, so it's not the same. But um, they're basically judges are going to be asked for the reasoning, to demonstrate what the reasoning is. These are things that we've talked about, right? Um, just having some transparency or having some understanding of what these people are looking at. So when we say, you know, we're going over a card afterwards and we say, what did the judge see? Why did they think that? Now, this won't be a full explanation, but it will be a little something. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see it. You know, it's if nothing else, if nothing else, it's just a damn reminder of maybe what what, what the criteria is supposed to be and, you know, what in order they're supposed to be doing things. And maybe, I mean, I think these guys are professionally trained. It's probably drilled in them anyway. But it doesn't hurt to have, like, a checklist in front of you to make sure that you're leaning towards the right thing. So um, we'll see. We'll see if it works out. I mean, it's something. Got to give credit to commissions like Colorado. They're willing to try some things, um, especially when it's not things that are, like, major rule changes. I mean, obviously – Colorado's willing to try some things, right? They had the one championship global rule set come in, and so they're definitely willing to try some things. But but I like this. I, I like having judges show their work, quote-unquote, so to speak, a little bit. You know what I mean? I think there's something to that. You know, whether this form that they have is the right one, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it even benefits anything. Again, here's that one thing is that does that really mean that <laughs> does it make the judges any better? That's what I always argue with, like, oh, we need half points or – Oh, we need uh, we need five judges instead of three. Or oh, we need open scoring. And I'm like, hey man, <laughs> you know what? None of those does. None of those educates the judge to make sure they're actually getting the right person. You know, like, oh, we got three uneducated judges. Maybe if we have five uneducated judges, it'll be better. Like, if we got enough monkeys on a tight. <laughs> now, granted, they're not they're not uneducated. So I, I don't even I don't even want to say that because then it's gonna make it sound like I'm perpetuating that. I'm not. But I'm just saying. If the issue is you think the three judges can't pick the right winner, I don't know that having five helps them pick the right winner, uh, especially because that just means more people involved and more science. I know I've heard some people say, well, the law of averages means as well. I, I get it. The whole half point thing bothers me a little bit too because it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like we're already saying we think they're picking the wrong round, you know, the wrong winner of the round. Now we're going to add in half points that we need them to use? Like, what? wait a minute, man. Like, we don't even think they're picking the right guy, much less the, the, now we're going to do the half points. I don't like that. The open scoring, I'm not really opposed to open scoring. I just always say, remind people, like, all that does is let you see bad judging in real time instead of seeing bad judging at the end of it, right? The whole goal is, to, is for me anyway, I think, is constant education, constant, uh, you know, I don't want to say supervision. That sounds like a, a kid or something, but evaluation. You know, I would love to see scores and, you know, uh, again, you, I've, I've said it a million times, but I'll keep saying it. every other sport, you know, they have like uh, head officials that keep, you know, evaluations and scores and by performing well, you get the better assignments and, and all that. So I would just like to see constant education. And I know it's happening. I know it's happening. It's happening in multiple states. It's happening, you know, where they'll get on Zoom calls and they'll discuss fights and, and, they'll all, and all that. I know it's happening. But I would like to see maybe a little bit more formalized process of it. But this is perhaps maybe a step in that direction. So um, that is unveiling this weekend. So I guess keep your keep your eye on that. I think it's a Sparta MMA event where it's being done, if I remember correctly. So maybe keep your eye on that. Um, 
I am this year, the Association of Boxing Commission meetings is going to be in Las Vegas, which is incredibly convenient. Um, July 30th through August 3rd. Um, I, the last time it was in Las Vegas, I went as well. And, you know, it's not the most exciting time ever. And unfortunately, like you do get to see some of the politics that are in play with these commissions when you're up close and seeing it. Um, but uh, I, I do want to attend as much of it as I can. If, if you're interested at all in seeing um, what they're, you know, what the agenda is, they have the agenda is publicly placed. Um, I'm just looking for the website. I don't have it thumbnail. Association of Boxing Commissions. So the website is abcboxing.com. If you ever just want to go uh, check it out, abcboxing.com. And uh, the first item right there is the 2023 convention agenda, and you can see. Right there, everything that they go to. So Sunday, it looks like it's more just a registration day. It's like registration for classes. There's a boxing judge class and test, an MMA referee class, level one, MMA referee, level two, training course for inspectors. Um, and then you let's see boxing referee course, boxing referee mechanics, MMA judge course, MMA judge course and test. Uh, and then on Tuesday, you start getting into discussions of like, a financial report of the commission, then like the UFC is there to speak, boxing rules committee updates, uh, bare knuckle unified rules reviewing for votes. So try to get bare knuckle unified everywhere across the country. Uh, Chris Palmquist from Combat Registry, part of the UG crew, he'll be speaking over there. Um, Box Rec, that's the official record keeper over there. Um, and then Wednesday, you start getting into like medical committee stuff, head trauma, weight loss. Deaths and causes, hate to say that, but uh, older fighters, PD use, cause and effects. Then you start getting into broadcast commentary discussion. I think a lot of the interesting stuff I see is on like Wednesday afternoon or that, that, that I found very intriguing. Broadcast commentary discussion, uh, suspending fighters after the fact, false medical records. That was interesting. It's like Bellator MMA will be there to speak. Matchmaking, quote unquote, high level fights. Uh, a retired fighter fund update discussion, WBC presentation, new fighter committee. Um, our Davies going to be there speaking. Um, and then Thursday is some more interesting stuff. Uh, again, matchmaking high-level fights. Uh, Ryzen MMA, their rule set discussion. So maybe Ryzen's trying to get some approval. Um, talking about ABC suspensions. Uh, designation of exhibition fights. Uh, that might be some of these, all these, this boxing stuff, right? With all these exhibitions going on, like that, that chaos with, oh man, the chaos with Floyd Mayweather. That was wild. Um, so anyway, a lot of stuff. Like again, it's not the most exciting stuff, but it is always. I, I enjoy being there. It's just it's tough to like travel to it because obviously the expenses that are involved with that. Because you're not going to get a whole bunch of stories and and generate a whole lot of traffic and that sort of thing. So it's tough to justify the travel cost, but. Um, Personally, I would like to just to go because you really get a sense of where things are, are going. You see what they're discussing. You get a people for because everybody's in the room, so you really get kind of the, the feeling of what everybody's temperature is on it because you can kind of see, you know, it's not just a press release or whatever. You can see how people are reacting in the room and how the debates are going and, and all those things. So I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's not I, the average fan I think would be in there for about ten minutes and be like, "The hell am I doing here? Get me out of here!" Uh, but I enjoy it. So uh, definitely. Uh, about a month from now, uh, a little six weeks or so, be a part of that. And so maybe we'll have some information and things that are going on there. Uh, in the meantime, I will do an and a half episode once I get home from Las Vegas, or to Las Vegas, I should say, from Atlantic City on Saturday night. Like I said, I'll probably watch most of that from the plane. So for everybody over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, uh, maybe we'll uh, 
maybe we'll do something the next morning or something like that. We'll see. Uh, Matt Clark, I'll give a quick shout out to Matt Clark as well. Uh, I got you, bro. We'll, uh, don't, don't worry. I see you and, uh, and we'll talk. I want to wait till I'm back with cold coffee. So that's especially for you, Matt Clark. For everybody else, uh, I hope you have a good weekend. Plenty of MMA. Please watch CFSC 120 on USC Fight Pass. My man CM Punk has a slightly busy weekend. He's supposed to be here. That's all I know. They tell me my co-partner is going to be here. I don't ask anything else. I know he's got some other stuff going on this weekend, but they tell me he's going to be here. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him and uh, looking forward to CFSC 120. In the meantime, for everybody else, enjoy the weekend. And thanks for listening.